The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Okay, Exodus chapter 33 this morning. If you have your Bible, Exodus chapter 33. Uh, No notes on the screen today. So if you have a copy of the Word of God, then uh, join me there. And if not, then, um, I don't know, eavesdrop on somebody else or just listen with both ears wide open. Hey, hope you've had a good week. I felt like we had a really great opening to this semester with Pastor Matt Tice. And I was talking to Dr. Adkins before the the chapel this morning, and I said, you know, the Wednesday night message that he preached, there was a line in that message that I just thought was a really wonderful summation line of the whole message. And he just detailed person after person after person. And of course, he could have gone on, but in his sphere of reference, you know, these were people that, that he knew, people that he's aware of, that the Lord was using, that were graduates of Pensacola Christian College. And then when he got to that line where he said, and you are next in line, I just thought, what a, what a powerful summation of how it is that God passes a baton from one generation to the next. And really, that's, that's the, the, the promise of Scripture. One generation shall praise thy works to another. And, and you are the, the generation that is receiving that baton and carrying the glory of God to this next generation. So just a wonderful opening that really is not the direction, of course, we're heading today, but man, I'm sure thankful for how the Lord spoke to my heart and I trust to yours through those opening meetings. And I hope you had a really wonderful break. Uh, How many of you like slept for a week straight when you got home? Okay, how many of you, do you know when you wake up, you're not usually fully awake? So are you still not fully awake from your vacation or are you back into and, and ready to go? I'm not sure where you're at today, but I do hope you will connect with, you know, I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not sure who needs this message. I hope, I hope it resonates with all of us, but I suspect that there are probably a few that are here today that this message would be more specifically for you. I was, um, it was in 1982, so I know that's forever ago. He, he said, Dr. Atkins said, um, when he introduced me, he said he, you know, came back to Campus Church in 2018, and then he told me when he went and sat down, he said, I almost said that you came back to Campus Church in 1918, and of course, I'm not quite that old. So, you know, in, in 1982, which I know to you seems like that's just forever ago, but in 1982, I was standing um, at a place that now I recall really vividly. There will be, even in, in you know, years to come, there will be moments in your life that I suspect even are happening right now that you can look back on. And though it might've been years ago, it's still very vivid in your mind. And this is one of those events. Like I remember when, when President Reagan was shot and I was a flower delivery boy. It was my first job. I was 16 years old. And I remember listening to it over the speaker in the flower shop where I was picking up flowers to deliver that President Reagan had been shot. I remember very vividly 
um, what happened. I was teaching Bible at PCA when, on 9-11. And I remember just so clearly that I was teaching Bible and somebody came, uh, one of the student workers said, hey, um, uh, Mr. Shoemaker um, wants to see you after class. So when I finished, I went and said, hey, what's going on? And, and he said, listen to this. And so he had something, he said a plane um, crashed into the World Trade Center. And I said, you're, you're joking, right? He says, no, 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 listen to this. And so, I, I mean, I remember the details of that day in ways that are quite profound. Uh, this, is a, this is not so sobering. It's just one of those days that's etched into my mind. So I, I was reviewing it this morning and I thought, I can't believe I remember all of those details. So it's 1982 and I'm standing out in front on the sidewalk and I could, I could walk you to the place on the sidewalk where I'm standing. I'm in front of Ballard and I'm on the south, uh, front of Ballard South, close to the road that would separate Ballard from the administration building. There was no library there then. And so I'm standing, you know, out in front of Ballard. I can tell you what I was wearing that day. So I had, I had on a pair of white pants. I had a light blue short sleeve uh, collared shirt, button down shirt, Oxford shirt. And I'm watching an, an Oldsmobile station wagon. It was kind of orange. Back then they had these vinyl wood, wood panels on the sides of them. And it was pulling, I can see even what it was pulling. It's pulling a pop-up camper behind it. And the guy driving it is my dad. And sitting next to him, of course, is my mom. And there are three kids in the back of that station wagon. My brother, Terry, my brother, Rob, and my little sister, Nikki. And they're, they're driving back home and they are leaving me as a, a brand new freshman at Pensacola Christian College. And I remember the feeling, of, a strange feeling that I'd never experienced before. And I know this is a second semester, so it, it's not quite as compelling, but I do remember the feeling that I had that I'd never experienced before of being alone, surrounded by a lot of people. And it was pretty profound. And, and the details of that day are still quite vivid in my mind. So you're here at a second semester and, and obviously you don't have the same gut check that you have when you are here and, and so many of you are not new students. So there's nobody really that's a new student in this place. But I suspect that there are still people who, who face some things on maybe an all too frequent basis where you feel like you are alone in the midst of a sea of people. And there's, there's something that God's about to offer to Moses in Exodus chapter 33. And, and quite honestly, it's a sweet deal. And God, uh, he, he lays something out before me. He says, here's what I'm offering. And if there was a, a, a period as part of the, 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 the sentence structure, we might end this statement and say, wow, that's great. We, we would even say, Moses, what more could you ask for? But the passage doesn't come to a conclusion. It continues on. And, and Moses has this like, whoa, hey, just a minute. 
So look at the passage, Exodus chapter 33, verse number one, beginning of the chapter. And the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, here's the promise that I gave. I gave this promise to Abraham. I, I, I gave it to his descendants. Moses, I've given it to you and to my people, and I've made good thus far on the promise, and I'm going to make good on the promise. So we go a little bit further. He said, I, I made this promise saying, unto, unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. And here's what I'm offering you, Moses, this is the deal. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if there was a period there instead of a colon, I think Moses walks away from this with an assumption and he says, wow, I am, I am, you know, today people use the expression, maybe not as frequently as they did five years ago, but how are you doing? I'm living the dream. And Moses would have said here, wow, God, I am really living the dream. But the expression doesn't stop or the statement, God's conversation with Moses doesn't stop. And, he, and then he says in verse number three again, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, go, depart, get going, Go hence, take the people unto a land flowing with milk and honey, colon, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. So God offers to Moses this really great deal. All right, Moses, it's time for you to get going. Now lead the people. You, you take them, you're, you're here. They're at a mount where God's revealing himself to Moses. He's, he's laying out the Decalogue, the commands. And Moses had gone up in the mountain to meet, but man, where's Moses? He's gone too long. He should have been back by now. And, and, and where are we? And where is the God that said he brought us out here? Aaron, make us gods. And so Aaron, of course, you know, he... he, he he acquiesces, he gives them their gods and, and the people worship the golden calf and Moses comes down and God says, Moses, I'm gonna make good on my promise. Exodus chapter 33 is, is honestly one of those profound passages. It's loaded with like, wow, oh, this is incredible what it is that God is doing. We start to see the God of grace revealed before us in ways that had never been revealed before. Moses, he, he also does this. He says, show me now thy glory in this chapter. Uh, he says, God, how am I going to know you unless I know your ways? So God, show me now thy ways that I might know thee. All of these things are found in Exodus chapter 33. It's a really incredible passage. But the part that stands out and all of these other things are hinged on what Moses is about to say a little bit later, same chapter, referencing God's same offer. If you look down a little bit further, down at verse number 15, Exodus 33, look at verse number 15. And here he says, and he said unto him, Moses said to God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. He said, God, if, if you're not going, I'm not going. How many times have you used that, that expression with other people? Like you have a friend, you say, hey, you, you, uh, 
You going to, you want to go over to the sports center? No, 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 you go, you go ahead. No, 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 if you're not going, I'm not going. You know? And then in more serious, more significant ways, hey, what do you think about, oh, listen, you should go do that. And you say, no, 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 are you going? No, I'm not going. Listen, if you're not going, I'm not going. And in very real ways, what Moses says to God, he says, God, whew, if you're not going, I'm staying right here in the wilderness. We're out of Egypt. We're, we're here God, if you are not going, then, then neither am I. Why is it that Moses makes the presence of God such an imperative with this whole scenario? God said, listen, I'm gonna send somebody with you. I'll send an angel that'll go before you. He'll prepare the way. He'll take care of your needs. But, but no, not me. Do you know what God is doing? God is putting something in front of Moses, knowing the whole scenario, and essentially what he's saying is, Moses, what's most important to you? What you can get from me or me? And there, college student, lies an incredible difference. Sometimes we're a little bit more interested in what we can get from God than, than God himself. And God is, in a sense, putting this little test in front of Moses saying, Moses, I'm gonna do everything that I promised to Abraham and Isaac, to Jacob. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything that I promised, but I'm not gonna go. And Moses pauses and he has this, whoa, wait just a minute. Can you see his eyes start to light up when God says, I'm gonna give you the land of milk and honey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you and deliver you and I'm gonna defeat the enemies that are in the land and everything's gonna be yours. And Moses is like, oh, this is gonna be, whoa, 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 whoa. God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Why was God's presence so vitally important to Moses? You know, when you start to think about the, the presence of the Lord and why is this so significant? We start to see, honestly, throughout scripture, what is it that the presence of the Lord guarantees? God, there's a lot of things that, that are appealing to me in my future, but none so necessary as the fact that my future includes you. So there's a lot of things regarding your future that are spread out before you that are really great things. So like, wow, man, I'm looking forward to this. I'm anticipating that. I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. Well, that's wonderful. But remember, in all of the wonder of your future, there has to be something that, that is woven into the fabric of it all. And Moses understood this is the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bible and you want to look at it, we're going to look at this verse in conjunction with, and then we'll wrap up in Exodus 33. But Psalm chapter 16 Psalm chapter 16, we're starting to think like, okay, what's the presence of the Lord? What is this providing for us? Okay, Psalm chapter 16, another wonderful Psalm and another Psalm of David. So notice what he says, Psalm chapter 16, verse number 11. Psalm 16, verse number 11. Here's what we're gonna see in, in this passage. Okay, Moses knows the presence of the Lord is an absolute necessity. This is not a luxury this is not a, you know, it'd be really nice to have the presence of the Lord. It's not one of those, um, you know, that's a nice perk. This is something that, that I have to have the presence of the Lord. Okay, so why is this? Well, because the first thing we see in this passage, uh, Psalm chapter 16, because it's the place of complete joy, 
And I didn't use that, that word um, just to make some nice statement. It's the place of complete joy and enduring pleasure. Complete joy and enduring pleasure. Okay, Psalm 16, look at verse number 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Okay, so let's break down this passage of scripture and see what are we, what are we, why are we making the presence of the Lord such a high priority? Okay, the first thing you notice there, do you see the first phrase? Thou wilt show me. Okay, thou wilt show me. You know, the thing that we notice, the presence of the Lord, why is this so important? Well, because truly there's only one real guide. Thou wilt show me. And David realizes that God is the one who knows the way to these enduring pleasures. These genuine, true, real pleasures. This complete joy. Thou wilt guide me. Lord, I don't know how to get to the place of real joy, of lasting, enduring pleasure. I don't know the way. I mean, I mean, how many times do you have to get from point A to point B? And this is what we do today. I mean, I do it all the time. I mean, I just pull out the phone and I say, hey, uh, get me to, uh, get directions to, because I have to have a guide. I'm terrible. At, I'm not good at directions. Okay. Um, the college reps are, are here and they're getting ready to head out. And I got to meet with the college reps this week for a few minutes and I was just reminded of, of how we used to have to follow directions. We had, we had you know, we had these, these big Rand McNally atlases. They were these large, they'd have, you know, maps of the United States and you'd turn and, and I'm driving through Chicago and I'm trying to follow a map to see where I'm supposed to go next. And I'm following a car and I'm in Chicago traffic, but I'm looking, you know, it's the same as like texting and driving today. I'm looking at a map, I'm trying to drive and the car in front of me went through a yellow light, but I'm just following the car. And so I'm going through now a red light and the Chicago traffic, I'm going this way, the Chicago traffic's coming this way, and there were two lanes coming across. The first, in the first lane closest to me was a new Mercedes. Um, right on the other side of him was a police car. And so I'm driving, I'm looking, and when I look up, there's the Mercedes, and I slam on the brakes, bam, and I smash into the new Mercedes. Fortunately, there's a police officer right there, okay? So the police officer, you know, he's right there. I get a ticket, the whole deal, because I'm, you know, I, I can blame it. I'm, well, I'm trying to follow directions. I didn't know the way I'm supposed to go. Now, the consequences of me looking at the directions at the wrong time were pretty obvious. But I don't know how you are with directions, but I will tell you a place you really don't know how to get there apart from the help of the guide. Now, we oftentimes think we do. We think we know this is what's going to provide me real joy, this is going to provide me happiness. This is going to do what I think I really am looking for. There's only one guide. Thou wilt show me. D David says, God, how am I going to find this kind of complete joy or enduring pleasure apart from you? There is one guide. In Psalm chapter 16, David says it this way. Verse number eight, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. He says, I'm not going to leave this position. Even the word, I shall not be moved. It means I'm not going to be toppled over. I'm not going to be tripped up. 
I find it interesting too. He puts the Lord in two distinct locations. Like how can he be in both places at the same time? He says, I put the Lord ever before you, before me. God, you're, I'm following you, lead the way. And then he says, you're always at my right hand. You're, you're right here beside me. And of course, a God who's offering all that we stand in need of, this is the God that offers and can provide exactly what we need. Lord, you can be the one before me. You can be the one beside me. And, and if that's the place you're going to be, I'm not going to topple over. I'm not going to fall down flat. I'm not going to wind up in a circumstance or a setting that is not exactly where and what I'm supposed to be. College student, do you really know the way that you're supposed to go? I mean, really? Do you really know how am I going to find complete joy? enduring pleasure, there is somebody who knows what it is that can provide that for you. And he's willing to lead the way. Well, David says, listen, I, I have to have this guide. There's one guide he's going to show me. And then he goes a little bit further and he says, thou wilt show me. So there's one guide in this little scenario. And then he says, there's one traveler, that's me. So you're the guide, God, lead the way. I'm the traveler. Um, you, you've all done this before and you've, you've probably had both experiences. Um, out of curiosity, how many of you in here are married? How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Um, people on the sides. Okay, so not many people in here. How many of you plan to be married? Okay. Uh, how many of you plan to be married to a person, but they just don't know it yet? Okay. Right, a few of you as well. So, you know, sometimes my wife says, hey, sweetheart, can you run to the store and pick up whatever? Okay. So even today, you know, we talk about our phones. We keep a grocery list on our phones. So there was something on the grocery list um, and I was at the store. So I pull out the grocery list. And I'm looking, I can't find this anywhere. Okay. How many of you have, sometimes you go to Home Depot or wherever, you know, and, and uh, you go to the grocery store and you're looking and, and usually if it's, if, you know, I'm a husband and they, they spot us, you know, they're like, oh, that poor guy. I'm going to let him wander for a while, you know, and then, and then finally someone will say, sir, sir, you've been in here for 35 minutes. Do you need any help? You know, and usually we're like, no, no, I got this. And, and then finally like, hey, can you tell me where the, and do you know the difference between the person who says, yeah, okay, here's what you do. Go down to aisle three and look for the, and you should see it on the, do you know the difference between that person and the person who says, I know right where it is. Okay, come on. And sometimes we might even say, oh, no, no, I can find it. And they say, no, 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 no. I've seen you here before. You know, and so, so you're walking with them and they're going to show you, they're going to take you to the, the, the thing that you need. And what David realizes is he says, thou wilt show me. And that's what God's offering to, to people like me, to people like you. You know, when, when Pastor Matt said the other day, and you are next in line, he's, he's not saying, all right, now just start running. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, there's a guide who's gonna guide you. And he's gonna, this guide wants to guide you. And he wants to guide you where? You know, when you, you keep looking at this, he says, there's one guide. Okay, that's God. There's one traveler, that's me. There's one path that will show me the path of life. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say, I'm going to show you a path of life. And that's, the, that's the, the message of our culture today. Hey, choose the path that's best for you. You're going to have to choose your own way. Hey, you're going to have to 
you know, this one has, this one has not diminished in, in years with culture. You're just gonna have to follow your own heart. But what God says, all right now, there is a place of complete joy, of enduring pleasure. And God says, and I know the way. And, and I want to show you the path of life. You know, our path is so oftentimes polluted with, with ourself, but his is pure. Ours is crooked and his is straight. Ours is broad and it leads to destruction. His is narrow, but it leads to life. And he's saying, I want to show you, I, God, our guide, want to show you, the traveler, I want to show you the path of life. And then he says, there's only one destination. And what does this bring? Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Moses was convinced there could be nothing worth having if it were gained outside of the Lord's presence. That is a really big, you know, conclusion. College student, think through what what we're saying, because this is mammoth. Is there anything worth having to you that you would desire that doesn't come with the presence of the Lord? Like, I want that position so badly. I want to be married so badly. I want that job and all that comes with it, the wealth, the house, the car. I want that so badly that I would be willing to trade the presence of the Lord if I could be guaranteed this. What David starts to understand here, he says there is only truly one place. Listen, if we just started to try to detail, what is life like for a person who has what the world says they have it all, but when they go home to having it all, they, they find there's an emptiness that results in really having nothing at all. And what David says is it doesn't matter all the things that can be promised to me if it doesn't come with or as the result of the presence of the Lord. You know, when when we start to think about what is it that we're after here, he says there is a place of complete joy. It doesn't mean that it's not at times mixed with hardship, with difficulty, with sorrow, but there is a place of complete joy. This is a place, if we took this another step further, it's like, wow, this is complete joy, enduring pleasures. This is, this is a place where the obstacles to us having complete joy are removed. Like sometimes we're a little frustrated. We think somebody or something's getting in our way. And, and there are people who even say, hey, nothing is going to keep me from having, you know, whatever. And, and really what we start to understand about the presence of the Lord is the presence of the Lord is our guarantee that the obstacles will be removed. It's like when, when Balaam goes to curse the people of Israel who are about ready to enter the promised land, what Balak the king is trying to do is he's trying to throw an obstacle in the way. Let's put up some roadblocks to them getting in and conquering the land. Listen, it's only by the presence of the Lord that the people are going to get into the land. And so God turns Balaam's curse. He turns the curse into this incredibly profound blessing. God can even turn the the curse of your life into something that becomes this like, wow, 
what an incredible blessing that this is the guarantee. He removes the obstacles. Now, what I'm not trying to say is that life becomes this, you know, this, you know, I'm putting on my rose colored glasses and everything is just beautiful. And it's just this, you know, skip in the park. I'm not trying to say that. What I am saying is obstacles are removed. The thing that will keep you from the fullness of joy, complete joy, enduring pleasures, pleasures forevermore, pleasures that don't like, oh, that's a little temporal or a little blip on the, the, the burden of life. No, pleasures forevermore. I'm not saying that, that there are, are not difficulties along that path, but the obstacles are removed. Like, do you remember when Paul and Silas are in Philippi and they're preaching and, and then this, this whole thing about this, this demon-possessed woman and, and uh, they, they, they cast out the demon, the people in Philippi, the, the people who are selling, you know, these relics and, and idols, they're mad. So they, they, they beat them and lay many stripes upon them. We sometimes gloss over this because, you know, they're in the prison, their feet are in stocks, their hands are bound, and they're singing praise to God. So we sometimes skip over the like, whoa, man, they were just beaten severely. You know, their backs are stretched, their shirts are removed, the, the whip comes down. I mean, their backs are, are shredded. And Paul and Silas are thrown into a filthy prison their, their hands and feet fast in stocks. And then at midnight, I mean, these guys are guys that are dwelling in the presence of God. And they met with God in a Philippian jail. And I don't know who said it first, you know, uh, Silas, you want to sing? Yeah, I want to sing, but your singing's lousy. No, no, it's good, you know. What do you want to sing? I don't care. Let's, let's sing. And now these guys start to sing. And have you ever started something and then like it just gets bigger and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, who knows what they're singing? They didn't have there's within my heart a melody back then. But, you know, there's within my heart a melody. Take it. Jesus whispers, sweet. And they're just singing away, you know. And then by the time they get to the chorus, man, they're just singing and people are, they're waking people up and, and, and what happens in the jail? Their obstacles, those things that hinder them from freely enjoying God in a, in a literal sense, the earth shakes and, and their stocks fall off. The, the prison doors open. I would submit to you that they were free long before their stocks fell from their hands and feet. And they were free long before the prison doors opened. And the question that we have to ask ourselves, are we experiencing that same kind of freedom even in the, the circumstances that are oftentimes challenging? You say, where does that come from? It comes from only one place. It comes from living in the presence of the Lord. You know, we, we could go on with what does this provide? First Chronicles 16, 27, glory and honor are in his presence. Glory and honor? In the presence of God, strength and gladness are in his place. Strength, gladness. Years ago, I, I heard and learned just a chorus. I know there's a full song that goes with it, and it's an old chorus. But, you know, the words were in the presence of Jehovah, 
God Almighty, Prince of Peace, you know, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. College student, there is a lot to be found. And Moses said, I'm not willing to trade your presence for the land of promise. And, and here's how God concludes Moses' determination. And he said, verse 14, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. I hope you're dwelling in the presence of the king. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.